man, freak out. You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for a change. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, I hope someone's recording this. So settle in for a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150,000 ranked podcast in the land. Ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any question? Here's BD. Welcome, friends, to another week of the Brenton on Tour podcast. Live from the basement, not from South America, where, of course, uh, we talked about last week is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, however, that changed. Uh, the artist I was touring with uh, had to bow out, unfortunately. And I am back home uh, recording episodes and and thought, you know, well, we'll just keep plugging away here and, you know, life throws things at you and, and we'll just... Uh, We'll just keep banging out episodes, and and I'll just keep hanging out my with my friends who are on the show today with me, uh, returning to the show uh, as we uh, move ahead here. And we're you know coffee music travel life. A huge thanks to my friend Tim Wendelbo from uh, last week uh, from Oslo, Norway. One of the best coffees in the world. One of the best coffee roasters in the world. And uh, he made some time to come on, uh, and also to take back his title as the most downloaded episode in the land and he certainly has a substantial amount of them which will blow your mind that coffee could do that kind of business but it did and uh, we're going to keep going with different stories and covering off things from you know my travels around the world but every now and again I like to have a round table both of these gentlemen have been on the show before um, and I like having the topical conversations about what's going on in the music industry as well so we're going to get into a few of them today uh, with uh, my good friend Lyle Chasse. How you doing, sir? Welcome back to the show. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate uh, being a part of the show with you. No problem. Good to be here. Hey, Darren Grieve. How are you, sir? Welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. Excellent to be here. Always a pleasure, buddy. Hope Danger. You Hope you enjoyed that uh, coffee episode last week, because that one, you know, that one's for you, buddy. That one's for you. you yeah, know? yeah, exactly. No, you don't have to sell me on the coffee stuff. So he, he holds the title as most uh, listened to, most viewed episode. Can you believe What's that? It? Of all the of the episodes I've done, uh, yeah. Tim, Tim, well, viewed. I mean, it's up for debate because it's on multiple platforms. But as far as uh, most downloaded episode, he held the title for a long time. Wow! And we're talking like five to you know close to six digit download numbers for one for that episode of Very coffee. Nice. And he's just one of the most popular roasters in the world. And has a farm and, and just he's a great guy and, and just but he's part of the, um, the a group of people that help sort of like set indie prices for 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 coffee. And, to, you know, when Starbucks is paying 79 cents a pound, they're like, eh, we're going to bump it up so the farmers can actually eat. So yeah, yeah. very cool. Great business. Great guy. And I like bringing him in uh, sort of like a. Uh, you know, the beginning of a hockey season, I like to bring him in at the beginning of my podcast season to update me on what's going on in the world of coffee. 
as boring as that might sound to some, it's actually quite exciting to people Not like Darren and I, as far as like, you know, products and things like that. So uh, it was great to have him on. And now we're switching gears back to the roundtable uh, effect of things where I like to, you know, chat with my friends in the business about what's going on in the business, maybe some stories that we've heard, uh, you know, just some stuff, some general stuff, you know, that goes on. But before we do that, Lyle, do me a favor, reintroduce yourself to everybody, and uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, thanks, man. Um, well, what can I say? Um, the, you, you get to say this when you're this old. I'm a veteran in the music business. I have uh, hung out at Seafox since about 1989, met Danger and a bunch of other great people through Seafox. I've worked at a couple of labels, Sony Music, uh, Capital EMI, did eight or nine years of uh, independent promotion, managing directing some careers and uh last couple of covid years did a couple of interesting pivots made a merchandise company it's going really well and then uh, about a year and a half ago was asked to come and start up a new vancouver-based uh label called crank music so uh i'm busy building a roster over there and uh building a team to to run it to uh, build some careers uh, Lyle was a part of a big giant table round table that we did a, sort of a long table, not a round table back on the only day it snowed in five years in Vancouver. Uh, uh, that was nuts. <laughs> and, had a, and we had a big, uh, a big, uh, long table and you can watch that episode. And that was great. We had a bunch of people weighing in on some stuff. Oh yeah. I think I worked with you on about a thousand shows too, working with live nation Just or something. Probably a thousand. I, shows. I forgot. So about, which, I actually literally forgot about that for a minute. Sorry. Which uh, leads, leads to my next guest, Darren, my uh, coffee brother in crime, uh, you know, uh, fellow coffee lover, uh, doing just as much coffee content as, as I can tr- possibly put out. He, he puts out even cooler stuff because um, they actually like him and they invite him into his stores to do things at Espresso Tech and things like that. He does, yeah. he does products and different various coffees, but he's also been on the show a bunch. Uh, he was the second guest ever on this show. We've talked about tons of stuff. We did a huge uh, show the other day on Twitter, on Spaces for Fun. He's a great friend. Uh, but why don't you introduce yourself back to the people, you know, uh, uh, and tell them who you are, my man. Yeah, well, I mean, similar to Lyle, actually, around the same time I met Lyle is sort of when my my radio career took off. I, that's pretty much what I've done my since high school is radio, but it wasn't until the late nineties that things started taking off, working around music a lot more, meeting people like Lyle, meeting people like yourself, Brent. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's been my deal. Just being around rock. I'm not, I'm not good enough to play the music, but I figured if I could learn how to do a decent interview, maybe I could hang around, you know, some people that know what they're doing. And so far it's brought me to this day right here. And you guys had a show together for a while, I believe, right? On C Fox. Yeah. We did. We had a metal show called The Shop. Uh, Lyle and I did that for quite a few years. That was, But the thing is, it should be noted that Lyle had the metal show on The Shop way before I was ever... Uh, I was still working in small market radio, but Lyle already had the metal show on The Shop. And uh, what was it called? It was Power Drive, right? Yeah. Power yeah, Drive. With, with Robbie Gray, who, uh, of course, went on to greater things over at TSN and is doing a bunch of great stuff in the sports podcast world now. Right. Really? Yeah. yeah. And what, what kind of uh, stuff were you playing there, dude? Wow. Well, I mean, I don't know. First off, we would all always selfishly play our favorites, but um, <laughs> we would play a lot of shit that was coming to town, whether we kind of knew about it or not. I've always had a philosophy of just trying to support stuff. So it's always, there's always a band like playing on a, on a Sunday night at some club that like 
you know, is going to be half empty or maybe even only 10 people in it, but that band might be from, you know, God knows where. Uh, I mean, I remember the first time I think I saw Lama God they, in Vancouver, they were playing to next to nobody. Um, and, and there was probably 40 people there. So it's, it's kind of always been that philosophy of trying to find some bands that are on tour that, you know, fit the genre, have a bit of a buzz. Um, maybe they got a label behind them. Maybe they don't. And, you know, if it's, if it's half, half good or half baked or whatever, then why not give them a shot? Because, you know, I remember seeing bands like Metallica on, on commercial drive, you know, it's like, you never know where it's coming from. So we played, you know, whoever's on tour kind of thing and all the, you know, big releases, we would play the, you know, do showcases on records and, you know, a bunch of classics. And, and then of course, indie bands, we were always trying to grab, grab a decent, decent local band and throw them on too. What I, I like about doing that. No, go ahead, Darren. Sorry about that. I was just going to say uh, what I liked about doing the metal show when you and I were doing the metal show, Lyle, is just the, the freedom that we had, 100% freedom management. You know, if they're not necessarily we're metal fans, right? So they let you do whatever you want. So when you say we selfishly played our favorites, that was kind of the deal. It was so great because nobody was looking over your shoulder. And you don't really get that in radio from, from you know, being a jock with a, with a regular day part where you're getting a, a proper paycheck and everything else. But if you do these, you know, like a metal show or a punk show, uh, most of the time you have 100% control over the music you play. So you can give a young band a chance. They don't know the difference whether the band's signed or not. Management doesn't. So do, right. what, do what feels good and just do it. And uh, I found that, uh, I'll be honest, when I first started doing the metal show in particular, I thought that I my reaction from the metal community was not going to be a positive one because I was already doing the evening show on Fox, and I thought, well, metal bands, you know, they're the underdogs, and they're not getting any love from big corporate radio station, and I kind of represent the big corporate radio station, so they're going to chew me up and eat me out. It was completely the opposite. They were so stoked that somebody that had, you know, kind of a cool position at a radio station gave a shit about metal. And so I learned really quickly that my my trepidation, I, I, I should have ignored that. I was always amazed uh, in earlier concoctions of the show that was able to same thing when C Fox was still was at ten oh six Richard Street and Jim Johnson was crazy enough to give me and a guy named John the the mic on Monday nights and we would play bands that would end up like filling up the P and E forum like say like we had Pantera and Skid Row playing at the pan uh, at the P and E forum and that's forty three hundred people yeah for bands that had no airplay. Except for you guys. Yeah. Except for us. Yeah. And I mean, like, we're not, I'm not, I, when I say that, I'm not trying to say, like, pat us on the back for it, but it was certainly amazing to be a part of it and be a voice to the community and let people hear something that rips. And how and rad like, was that show, Lyle? I mean, it was so it, good that we went to Soundgarden at the uh, Commodore later that night. <laughs> <laughs> there was some magic games back then in the concerts, too. Man. That's Holy how good it was. That show. The crowd. That show, uh, changed my, <laughs> that show changed my life. I mean, the Killer Dwarfs. I remember meeting those guys backstage. That's when Russ was riding a trike, and I was like, "It's the Killer Dwarfs." And uh, and then, um, God, you know, I was there, a, a new Pantera fan. But then Skid Row obviously was on fire with Slaves to the Grind. Kind yeah. of forty three hundred isn't ten thousand, but it was you know a nice intro. And uh, I remember, um. Pantera comes out with a wall of amps and strobe light. Level the place. It, I yeah. never, it was like, it was the show that changed my life completely, completely yeah. changed my life. 
you know so it was it was quite quite something and so to be so to be able to do that and then also like i remember like i had just been at what was known as college music journal or cmj in new york i used to go to that fairly regularly and i was getting all hyped out by a bunch of guys from epic records uh about new new bands and we went to this little club that madonna owned i can't remember the name right now and we saw this band called rage against the machine wow. they were right at the beginning nothing was out yet all they had they gave us a couple cassette tapes to listen to on our flights home because you know cds Jeez. were kind of like still you Remember know cassettes yeah all the advances <laughs> would come on cassettes because no one would play them on the air from cassette so they gave us like three songs from rage against the machine and i'm like oh shit i can't wait to listen to this yeah. and we, we had a blast at the gig obviously and 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 they were we got really really turned on but i mean they were absolutely nobody and then i came home and did the show and then the next night somebody says oh you got to come down and see this band you know, uh, we were just at Soundcheck and blah, blah, blah. This band is really cool and you'd really like them because I love hip hop and soul and jazz and rock and throw it all in the blender. And as you know, that's kind of what you got with Rage Against the Machine. But we're all still so new to the party. And we went down this joint that was, I don't know if you guys remember a place called the Cruel Elephant in Gastown. I do, yeah. And we went Not down me. there and we went down. I swear to God, this is another one of those nights. I, there was no more than 12 people in the room. Wow. And we watched Rage Against the Machine in there. We end up talking the band after again because you could because there's only 12 people there. And then they're all like, yeah, come back tomorrow night, man, because we're playing tomorrow night, too. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, well, that's how our tour is going, rolling out right now. So we went back the next night and watched them again. Holy smokes. Probably like 18 people there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and so but, you just never know what's going to happen sometimes, where, where the next thing's going to pop from. And it's great that you guys, I mean, me as an indie musician back in the day, I, I mean, we killed for guys like you guys that would play, you know, indie stuff. And right up until, I mean, I think the last time, I mean, uh, Danger, you and Todd had the six o'clock rock report, I think it was called. Yeah. And even there with the Sea Fox and the band, uh, the, the um, you know, the Seeds and all the rest of it. I just remember it being so cool that you guys would play like Doug Fury's band and Murray Atkinson's band and, and Renee Botha's band and, and all these people had, and it was just like, these are all bands that I was trying to help when I had first moved to Vancouver. Uh, and it was just so funny to like, Oh, there's no resistance. Oh, you're going to just play this. And I'd never seen Cause in Toronto, it's like, well, you know, you know, it was yeah. like, if, if Bookman didn't recommend it, then no one was getting on the air. And that wasn't, that's just the way it was, the way it was in Toronto. It was like, you just couldn't get that indie air. Thankfully, Bookman played our band, which was awesome. Yeah, he had but, a pretty good year though, yeah. But it was like, you know what I mean? But it but it was just such a, it was so competitive there where it's coming out here. It was like, you're, you're going to play it? Great. Well, <laughs> another lucky situation doing that rock report because we had pretty much complete freedom. We would get, we would get in shit the next day for a song we might have played that we shouldn't have played something really heavy usually something lyle said hey i can get you guys carrie king for the rock report okay let's <laughs> play seasons in the abyss then uh, yeah right <laughs> here the next day but the damage was done and you got away with it but most of the times though we get to do whatever we want on that show too so i consider myself very lucky because that's two you know what neither one of those shows the metal show or the rock report was actually my main gig at seafox they were like side gigs that they gave me yeah. But they were the most fun, to be honest, most of the time. I mean, the, the my evening show was great, but I played what they told me to play for the most part. Um, the Rock Report, when you say that, you know, um, 
people were pretty open to playing indie bands. We thought that was the coolest part of the job. We would get when for seeds when and Lyle remember this because he would be a part of that stuff too. When seed season would come up, we would take all these submissions. Sometimes there'd be hundreds, you know, five six hundred submissions, and we divide them up into four piles. And I would take a pile home, Todd Hancock would, Corey Price, Lana Gay when she worked there, uh, Chris Duncombe. We'd all go home and listen to ours and weed out from there. And we would have meetings. And I, to me, anyways, I don't know what they thought at the time, but I just thought that was the coolest thing. High school me was stoked, you know? Yeah. Especially when you find something, you find gold. And did many Lyle, times, you know? You know, yeah. and Lyle, you're, 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 in, you're back. Well, you've never really left it, but you are in the development of artists now too. And you're seeing that perspective now um, from the standpoint of like trying to break a band still in the process of, of, of trying to get a, you know, radio versus like streaming and, and all the rest of it. You're, you're part of the new group of people that is trying to break a band in this current phase. And uh, kudos to you, man, because it, I, it, I, well, I, Hey, we all know it's brutal at the best of times. Hard work, you, yeah. you talk about Holy the is of rock and roll and for, every band that we say we saw here or saw there, and then they went on to be a gigantic band. There's 999 bands that failed before them. Yeah. And then there's 999 bands that we never heard of that never couldn't get out of their garage that were, might've been really good musicians. So I wanted to get into a couple of subjects today uh, that I figured we could probably chinwag on for a little while because uh, I think both subjects are pretty near to both of us or to all three of us here um, and to the listener. Uh, that first and foremost, uh, I want to talk about Taylor Hawkins and the two tribute shows that happened uh, in obviously Wembley and at uh, LA. I, I didn't get a chance to see the LA show. It didn't stream. I don't believe the way the way the, way the Wembley one did, but there is certainly a, an assortment of highlights coming back from all of those shows. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on the tragedy of it uh, because obviously we're going to try to do, you know, do an hour here, but uh, it was a very sad day for me. Obviously I found it and um, it, listeners can listen back to my personal Taylor Hawkins story. Uh, when something like this happens, people kind of tend to make it about themselves. I tried not to. However, I did have a very excellent story to tell of him. And everyone I've met since that's met him also has one. And it's evident to me that this guy was everything to everyone at all the time and tried to be. And there's no further proof than that, that A, that lineup, and B, the impact that he had to be able to sell a Wembley and a Kia out in support of his tragic, you know, to, to pay tribute to him. So um, – First and foremost, uh, Darren and I have kind of gone around this a little bit. Um, we'll come around back to that. But Lyle, thoughts on Taylor and thoughts on those two tribute shows and sort of takeaways for yourself? Um, well, obviously, we, we don't need to say it enough times, but it, yeah, it was absolutely tragic. I remember when I got the news from a friend of mine who was lives in Nashville, so it was breaking through the Nashville music community. Um, and my wife, who's also in the entertainment business here in Vancouver, uh, we're both big fans, so it wiped us out. Um, but really quickly, um, having again, we've all been around a lot of shows and seen a lot of things, and we've lived through some of the best days of rock, hard rock. Uh, and it really, th I, I thought about it, processed it really quickly in the fact that I looked at my wife and I said, You know what they're gonna have to do, right? 
And she's like, what? And I said, the only way through this for Dave Grohl and that band, because they're so well known, they're that band that everybody hangs out with and vice versa. The only way through this, because Taylor was such a massive part of that band, if they want the band to succeed, they're going to have to do a massive tribute concert equal to what Queen did for Freddie Mercury. And I literally said that within like a couple minutes of, of learning. It was like, that's the only way they're going to work through it. And then that same night, again, I was talking to some other friends in the industry, a major journalist. And, I, and I'm like, dude, you know, what do you think about this? And we were talking about it. Then I said, you know, same thing. I repeated it to him. And he's like, you're absolutely right. The only way they're going to get through this is to work through a concert, get all the same friends together and celebrate music together and just be friends and be musicians. And they're in such a unique position in life that they get to entertain and they get to play and they're sick, sick musicians that the only way to go through that pain is to just do what they love in honor of him. So they did the right thing to work through the pain and remember a friend. Uh, I was blown away that there was a second show. I like a lot of people haven't seen the whole second show. Um, so, but it was amazing to have the first one, at least show up on a Saturday morning, at least for us here in the Pacific time zone. <laughs> it's kind of nice to just sit there and yeah, drink back a I, lot of high grade coffee and get whacked out on sit, sit on Twitter and put a ton of comments out there. Darren thoughts, buddy on the, on Taylor in general and the tribute. Yeah, that's exactly what I did on that on that uh, Saturday. We sit there with coffee, and I, I thought I would wa- I thought I would uh, watch an hour or so of it, and then I would get on with my Saturday. But I was riveted. I didn't get out of my pajamas till four in the afternoon. I I didn't move from the couch until it was over. Um, thoughts on Taylor Hawkins? You know the impact. To me, it's almost twofold. I mean, Foo Fighters is a band. If you like rock and roll at all, you're going to like the Foo Fighters. If you like metal, you don't hate the Foo Fighters. If you like super poppy stuff, you're going to like them too. Like, nobody doesn't like the Foo Fighters. And his personality, he's kind of like Dave Grohl. You can't not like Dave Grohl. He's just a very likable guy. You never hear a bad word about Taylor. And he just seemed like a, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. When you hear about these tragedies in rock, it's so often, it's sad to say, um, and we've had a couple in the last few years that don't fall into this category, but a lot of the times you can kind of see it coming. You know, they're a bit of a train wreck. They've had some ups and downs with, with substance abuse or whatever. And certainly Taylor had his history, but he seemed to have his life together and he had a personal life and he was smiling all the time, seemed like a happy go lucky guy. And I think that just kind of, I think that just kind of rocks a lot of people, no pun intended. That, that's that, it makes it really tough to swallow. And he, and he yeah. used his powers for good. I mean, here's a guy who's in the biggest, band in the planet and he took every opportunity he could to jam with his heroes that's mm-hmm. that's what guys that's what you should do i think if i was in a band that's what i'd be doing like jimmy page knows i'm alive we'll get him in let's let's play a song together this would be awesome to tell my kids that i played with jimmy page to me I, there's a guy that lived his life uh you know he took full advantage of the position that he was in but was not a dick throughout the process either like so many people can be and then Taylor, Taylor and Dave and, and company had all been a part of such great projects prior that they had mm. spent 25 years building Foo Fighters into what it was. And they were now going next level, all, all in if on top of all in. Yeah. They were becoming a stadium rock band, not yeah. just an arena band anymore. They were becoming a stadium band and their management was working their tail off to make sure that they were a part of everything because they did get along with everybody. And you said it well there that it doesn't matter what genre of music, you like, you knew who the Foo Fighters are and you like their music. You can't hate it. Um, They just became that band and and they represented rock so well in a world where everybody was saying rock is dead. 
And you know what? They got on the stage and they're filling up stadiums. Um, and then as evident by all the persons of multiple genres and styles and just skill sets, look at all the types of people that came together for them, including Canada's own mem surviving members of Rush got together to play these shows with um, them, not just once, but twice. And James and Gang, come on, James Gang got back together for him. James Gang got back together. I mean, what, what, a, what a powerful thing for rock and roll in general. And that's just it. I mean, these are the guys who showed up wearing their vans and some, um, you know, faded black jeans and a dirty old t-shirt with the sleeves cut off. And, and some Van Halen and some Van Halen trunks, as you can see, Josh. Free yeah. And, and get, there. yeah. I mean, getting Wolf to get on stage and play his dad's music. Uh, I can't even imagine what that dude was going through. Well, um, I think it's, I think that's, in, my, that's the, like, it's not the biggest takeaway from that thing. Obviously everyone coming together was a huge thing, but um, I, the, we, you know, for those of you not th that aren't familiar with the story, obviously Eddie Van Halen passed away. His son, you know, is everything. Uh, it, it, he was everything to his son and he's the consummate musician, played everything on his record, you know, put out a great solo album <clears throat> and consistently got hammered in the press. Well, not the press by the Twitter heads, by the public, by the, by the, why by are, the Van Halen you know, fans. Yeah, old, like why aren't you playing? Right. Why aren't you paying tribute to your dad? And why aren't you playing Van Halen songs live? And and Wolfie's always been. This is going to be my project, you know. Uh, this is the yeah. way it's going to be, and and has always denied it. And I loved this moment of him coming out and absolutely destroying both shows. You can see the highlights online. I mean, it and and it's it's the feel of Ed. It's the sound. The solos were perfect, and it was a giant fuck you to everybody that was busting his balls for months. And it, the fact that it happened at this event, which brought a bit of like light to a dark day. Yeah. Like everyone that yeah. is in the know is going, holy shit, look at this. There's and not no only question. look at. Yeah, it was therapeutic for him, right? Yeah, it was, it was a tribute within a tribute, right? Know? It was unbelievable, and, and like, is Dave is it like is Dave the only guy that could have made that happen? Like, and let's just go the other way. Like, if Taylor tragically didn't pass away, and the Foo's were still doing a thing, and they took Mammoth on tour with them, you know, which is his solo band to open up, would Dave have been able to convince him to come out and do Van Halen? And That's I don't no think. I don't think it, he would have. Not I for think. no reason, no. The, the reason was the timing. This was the right reason. But no, if you're just going to be on the road with him and say, get up and play a Van Halen song with us, I don't think he would do it, no. I think, I think it, it was to honor great rock and roll in the beginning, and then he, he just felt like it was a great way to honor his dad. And I don't think he was really trying to so silence the critics, but that's what ended up happening because... Absolutely. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, I, there's, he, he didn't wake up with that mandate, but he's a smart young enough guy where he definitely has the fuck you in his attitude and he's not afraid. Uh, he, uh, he proved that, you know, he can do what his dad did. He proved that he is his dad's son. Not that he needed to, if you listen to his record, it's a damn good record Hell yeah. for your very first record. And the you thing know? I don't understand about the Van Halen fans that have been hammering him so much is, I mean, if he, if he did do, a, if he came out and was trying to be like his dad and cover Van Halen songs, everybody would be ripping him huge for that. Mm -hmm. 
He'd have no respect and he would never have any hope in carving his own path. Uh, in my opinion, Wolfgang, uh, Wolfgang could be, you know, they say rock is dead. I don't think so. And I think Wolfgang is a prime example of how it's not dead. He's going no, about well, Not when you've got the youth leading the charge. Look at this. Yeah, look you at know, obviously, right. we're, we're well aware. And I wasn't expecting this at all. Uh, and it was absolutely heartbreaking for me as a drum, you know, uh, just as a as, absolutely, you know, as a father, number one, um, that was extremely tough for all parents on here. So for me, it was just like, uh, you know, sports have their moments where dad passes the, you know, dad passes the, the, the you know, the, the baton to the son or the Griffies play together in a field and in, in, in Seattle or, or all these different things that have, that have kind of happened or brothers do, you know, play against each other on the ice. But you, you know, how often do we get this outside of a family band, but how often do you get this sort of like moment like this? And unfortunately under these circumstances, but the kid just like, I mean, he was fantastic. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I I'd never seen him play before, obviously, um, before this, but... Uh, and we're obviously speaking about Taylor's son, uh, Sean, yeah. here, which which is, uh, you know, a picture of him for everyone listening. There's a picture of him uh, playing My Hero, and I think he did it again in L.A. too, yeah? So There's a lot of great kids out there uh, from their uh, the, the descendants of, of great rock and roll parents. And uh, you know what? <laughs> they're They're worth checking out. Like, I can't remember Bono's son's name, but, like, He's got that band called Inhaler, and they're just insane. Oh, like, is that his band? Is that his kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's you know, unbelievable. I know and some things about some things, but I didn't know that about them. It's <laughs> so good. Like, so I don't know. It's just, it's just so refreshing. And That's yeah, a, a lot of people would say it's U two two point or whatever the heck you want to call it, but you know, nah, it's whatever. heavier. It's heavier. It, 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 it actually is. It's really cool. The production on it is super sick. But there's lots of great stuff out there. I remember a couple years ago. Wasn't it the, what's his name, the drummer from Aerosmith? His son got up and, and jammed here when Aerosmith were in Vancouver. Um, and, and it's just like, there's lots of great kids out well, there. Well, Roger that, Taylor's um, kid, you know, Roger Taylor's yeah, kid. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. they live in their parents' shadows. They haven't written the songs that their parents did. Yeah. Um, there's Nick Gene Simmons' son is, has messed around with music, and his daughter, Sophie. Daughter. I mean, they all mess around with music, and they make some pretty good stuff. There's... Uh, um, you know, the guys in Nickelback here are at Canada's own. Like some of their kids are starting to spawn off and do some projects now. Um, it, there's there's lots of great shit out there. And unfortunately, we just get hung up on the great stuff. And it's great for a reason. But the, yeah. again, I mean, I don't know. This might sound selfish in the statement, but I'm, I'm still that guy who likes to just go curiously watch for that next band. And you find out, oh, you're somebody's son or daughter or whatever. And it's it's really cool. And they're, they want to come at it the same way their parents did. They want to get out there and slug through some clubs and make some songs and build a career. It's, it's unbelievable. And there's, there's a lot of that happening out there. Inhaler just announced a show in Vancouver for next March, by the way, just today. Yeah. Um, I'll be there. Gentlemen. So um, given that, you know, you think about all the artists that we have and, you know, every artist that passed is probably worthy of a tribute right um in some capacity like you know whatever you know if if uh, anyone that we collectively grew up on you know passes freddie mercury was the last one the big tribute show that i remember you know it being so impactful and this one here um you know that freddie mercury show changed my life from the standpoint of like i'm gonna do wembley one day 
it was just one of those things that, that ingrained into my brain and I ended up doing it. Will that, will this show have the same impact on somebody watching like a kid that's like, what, okay, who was Taylor or that didn't know? Why is everyone paying tribute to him? You know, that idea of why did he have such a big impact that there, that he could fill Wembley and, and the forum. So my question is who, who's, who could do it next? Uh, tragic. I don't want to be, I don't want to, promote this i'm just saying is there somebody on a level or or did it happen because of the circumstances you know because <clears throat> artists pass away all the time but who yeah who you know actually... danger you work yeah you work around media a lot more from that perspective it, maybe you're better to start that answer than i yeah i mean i'm not really it's oh, i don't want to pick up an artist either that's kind of a you know a weird kind of a uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm not manifesting it, but if it, it's the impact that he had on us as musicians, as music fans, and the impact that he had on, on yeah, yeah. rock and all the rest of it, that could be that every single per, you know, per, Lars and, and all well, all these different people, they haven't even done a tribute to Eddie Van Halen yet. I'm just saying, like, oh, no, exactly. This that's exactly what I was going to get at is they haven't done one for Eddie Van Halen, that's more of a Van Halen thing, I think, than anything else. But, um, you know, like Chris Cornell. Uh, obviously a very huge impactful artist there was no real tribute show for him either so maybe it maybe it speaks more to just sort of the the whole vibe of Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl and 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 what their friendship meant to each other Taylor and Dave that you know they as we sort of mentioned off the top they spent a lot of time jamming with their heroes and they did side projects like them Crooked Vultures and Probot the metal album uh, uh, Dave did that. And so they've always been adventurous playing around with other bands. And so it kind of made sense that they might throw a big, a big tribute show like this together. They certainly have the friends to, uh, to pack Wembley, obviously, because they've they played music with these people before. And maybe that had a big part to do with it. I don't yeah, know. Who I, else, I don't know. I mean, anybody, anybody that's made any impact deserves a tribute. You're right about that. Who else, who else could pull that off? I'm not quite sure. I don't know if I have the answer to that. It's it, you know, you know a big part of it is I think we've all had the pleasure of, of meeting Dave Grohl, the three of us. And um, if you know Dave Grohl and you've been around him for more than five minutes, you realize he's he's quite authentic. He's not just this cutesy guy when you turn on the mic. He's the same guy pretty much on mic as he is off mic. And he really lives it. And again, I think that when you look at the type of person that he is, how is he supposed to get back on the stage? with right. his, you know, basically there was him one and one a being Taylor and they were, they were, they were two of the same and so their personalities were very similar. And, and I just think he just did what maybe he thought, you know, somebody would do for him if it was him. Um, and they were just such a friendly bunch of rock and rollers, you know, um, they were an attitude. They weren't necessarily a genre. They were just the attitude of, of a pure rock and roll and, and all in all styles of it, whether it was a ballad or whether it was an all light ball breaker. Um, they knew how to, they knew how to put it together. And so, I mean, you can say like, who else can you do it for? Well, I mean, Hey, there's still some great, great legendary musicians alive. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, uh, Paul McCartney, Elton John. I mean, there's, there's kind of that plethora to go to back to the 60s, 70s band. You could have had a, a concert for, for Tom Petty. Everybody loves Tom Petty. I mean, there's there's a lot of artists to look at. Then you go through the 90s and all the artists that from the 90s that have passed away. But what also is troubling sometimes for 
the families in the estates and selfishly as rock and roll fans, we think, geez, I want a rock concert out of this. That helps us. But sometimes for the families in the estates thereof, it's very, very difficult for them to pull it off. There's a lot of legalities, unfortunately, to pulling these things off too. Um, and uh, a lot of things have to be considered when, when doing these things to global audiences uh, and the cost factors of bringing in musicians from all over the world. Who's going to cover that? Like that's why it took several months to put this together. Brent, you know, is a guy who's also worked on a gazillion concerts, mm -hmm. just the logistics of putting that together, the rehearsals, was... the costs of putting in fly. Oh, well, let's fly in rush. Well, rush were rehearsing for two weeks to be able to do that. Yeah. They didn't just plug in some amps. They're professionals. It, it, it was amazing to me that for me, that was, I was doing a show that day. So I was in Dallas. Yeah. I had it on in the background. Guys were coming into my office watching and, and, um, I, I was blown away. It, it was so smooth. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was the best mixed show I've ever heard on, on through TV slash YouTube through anything. It sounded incredible. It really just sounded amazing. It like really it did. sounded like you, yeah. you were there. It, it just puts you there. It was unbelievable. It was the ultimate tribute show for me. To me, that's Dave though. That's Dave Grohl. He'd want to put yeah. all their money together. If, if that it, thing cost him $10 million, he didn't care. It was the best tribute. I, I mean, the Freddie yeah. one was great, but obviously the tech has come along since then yeah. and we're even in a better spot than, 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 than then. Um, and I think this moment to your point, Lyle proves what, you know, what that moment was. And this is Dave obviously having a bit of a breakdown at times yeah. like these in Wembley. Um, I mean, that's five months of him not saying anything to the press. That's five months of prepping this concert, rehearsing with people. Apparently his mom passed away, which I just learned a little while ago. Yeah, I was going to say he's had, his own, he's had his own loss. That's this. the moment, like right. That's like everything, just like going, you know, just coming out, and then you know, you you finish it on a high with his son, and I think you know, by all accounts, from everyone I spoke to, that the LA show was a not not a party, but it was a different, a bit of a different vibe. It was a little bit yeah. more of like if the if the Wembley show was the was the. Um, I don't know how to how to how to put it like not the wake, but if it was sort of like the the emotional tribute, the LA show was the celebration, right? It was you know from from by all accounts, and um, it's amazing that they actually yeah. went to the trouble of doing it twice because it's very very emotional to do it once. <laughs> Never mind doing it twice and then doing it on another doing it on another content consonant. Pardon me, um, but. Uh, both shows seemed really special. I didn't get to see all of it. We watched some of it, the Def Leppard stuff. There was some other more unique combinations on, on stage. Um, and, yeah. and just, you know, what can we say? I would say as rock and roll fans, music fans, don't get too used to this. These are very, very amazing events for a reason. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not, again, they're not easy to pull off just from a logistics standpoint, but legally yeah. they're difficult to pull off. Um, and, and again, if you've lost anybody in your life that you love, father, a sister, a friend, whatever, uh, man, it, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And imagine standing there in front of 67,000 people at Wembley and, and getting out there and having to perform for two hours yeah. uh, and, and coordinate it all and sort of be the host and uh, take people through stories and, 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 and you know, go through because all the, when they, when they walked all, all out, the things wow. they go through all, all night. Like it's insane that how many times when they walked out on stage for the first time, that was the first time any of us had seen Dave. 
Yeah. Well, he'd been poking around. He hung out at a couple of Springsteen shows. He hung out at a couple of other things and got on stage a little bit. Um, If you really want to dig, he started, he started showing up at some things and that's good. It was obviously therapeutic. You got to get back on the horse a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good for him. Again, not easy to do. I I never thought that he would stop. What's going to happen with the Foo Fighters now? That's a whole other story. Uh, Nobody here has that answer. I don't think they have the answer. Um, but it's again. I, I just think that as a public, we should be fair in what we expect from this. Absolutely, we get what we get, and just enjoy it. Download it. Spend the thirty bucks if there's a download or whatever the hell. And support the family. Support rock and roll. Um, and and uh, hell, just enjoy it, man. Danger. Final takeaway from those two shows. Like your favorite parts are a high, super highlight oh, for you. That was. Uh, you know what I was thinking a minute ago is is um, when you flashed up that photo of Dave having his breakdown during times like these. Um, I kind of was waiting for it to happen earlier in the day in the during yeah. the show. I thought, boy, it's got to be a hard day. And like Lyle said, he's also the host. He's running around. You know, he's not just sitting there on a stool backstage waiting to go back up on and play guitar. You know, he's trying to keep it together. He's got Taylor's kids there. Obviously, he's like a father figure to them. Um, so I kind of expected the breakdown to happen earlier. The song makes sense. Times like these, I could see that'd be a tough one for him to perform. Yeah. Um, to me, I, I don't think I've seen anything like that since maybe Live Aid. Um, I put it up there with a Live Aid. Um, and I think, I, think, I think music people like us will be talking about this in 20 years, in 40 years. This, this show will not be forgotten. The LA show, I hope they do something with it. I sure would have liked to have seen it. Um, I was searching everywhere and I'm like, ah, just piecing it together, but they're probably piecing together an album slash I'll say DVD That's what I was on the physical side of it. Yeah. Some sort of a download. I think that they want to make sure that um, this gets done, but get, get it. Or maybe they're going to package both shows. Yeah. Um, but again, there's an insane amount of legalities to all that crap. Yeah. Not to get too, too, uh, too much into that, but um, again, look, we, we got what we got out of it. The, uh, the only other thing I could say is who else might they do this for? Well, they might have to do it for, unfortunately, Dave Grohl himself at some point. Oh, yeah. But enough. I mean, um, you know, they might, might just try to pass the baton back and say, well, you did this for one brother. Why not the other? And uh, so maybe, maybe we see that, um, you know, and, and what's, what's, what's kind of, I was going to throw this at you guys almost, not to get out of this, but similarly us as rockers, hard rockers is the, that recent announcement of like the Pantera reunion with uh, a couple of uh, other members joining the surviving members. Uh, and, and it's like, there's, there's also like those kinds of things that end up happening in rock music. And, you know, wh- what do you guys think of that as, as rock hard rock guys with like, you know, Zach and Charlie getting up there with surviving. I have an opinion, but I'll, I'll let Darren start with that one. Uh, uh, let's we'll move on to that subject right now. Lyle, thanks for bringing that up. We'll actually go into there. Cause it's kind uh, of related. And I, I, I thought no, it's all, it's yeah, all maybe, good. Maybe we can so throw Taylor, that out there a little bit amongst us. Let, let's, let's do that. Uh, t- uh, we'll move on. It, it's the rock report, right? <laughs> we'll move on <laughs> from Taylor, uh, an amazing tribute to him. Uh, he will be greatly missed. Uh, an incredible, incredible uh, production performance by everyone involved and to me the ultimate tribute to him so yeah he will be missed moving on all right darren you get to be the first one to weigh in on pantera yeah i'm not i mean the my instincts say this is kind of bullshit and i'm not happy about it i guess you know um 
It's a tough one because you know I've I've heard I have good friends of mine that are metal metalheads in this in the same age category as me, so they have the same mentality when it comes to this kind of stuff, and they're kind of on board with it. So I've tried to listen to what they have to say. Obviously, Zach is not a bad choice. He was super good buddies with Dime. He yeah. certainly can play the material. I understand that he's going to be using Dime's gear, so it's it's probably going to be a pretty reasonable facsimile. Charlie is no slouch on the drums, and he was buddies with those guys too. So again, probably not a bad choice. Um, will I go? I, I mean, I, I I'm not sure yet. I mean, I know the, it, it would be interesting to watch the show. Would I feel like I'm at a Pantera show? I just can't imagine that I would ever feel like I'm at a Pantera show. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, and I have no disrespect to uh, to, to to Rex or uh, you know or to Philip, but. I don't know, man. Um, I'm sure the show will slay. It'll be great. Yeah. It'll certainly make money. Um, but am I going to walk out of there feeling like I just saw Pantera? There's just no way that can be, man. I, you know, um, the estates of, of the brothers have apparently, you know, given their blessing to it. So I respect that, I suppose. Um, I don't know why they're doing it, though. Like, why are they doing it if it's not just for money? <laughs> Like it was not right. and, and see, and that's why I'm saying when you talk about tribute concerts of anybody, yeah, and now this is a this is a touring tribute concert. Well, they didn't so. announce it. Here's the thing, though. Uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but when they announced no. the show, and you'll remember, you both remember this. They didn't say shit about it being a tribute. Well, to, I, I'm calling it a tribute, well, but I mean, you know. Well, no, but they did a few days later. They started turning. Well, you know, it's more of a tribute, but they didn't say that initially. They just said no. it's Pantera, and it's going to be these guys. So mm. they kind of backpedaled a little bit. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was doing a show. I was doing a show in Luxembourg and had her rumblings out of the blue. And it was like, what? Yeah. Like, you know, and it just, <sighs> it's a little surprising. Uh, I think they could have done a, a little better lead up to it. Maybe they could have done a couple special shows first and see how it goes good point because it was like a lot of things like, it's like just yeah. just go just go to the fucking rainbow and destroy it and or, or not the rainbow but i mean the roxy or something in hollywood or go to some old place in new jersey or something like that and 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 get the boys from anthrax up there or uh you know of course zach's from new jersey and just go do something down and dirty first and see how it rolls but to announce a whole tour i feels like for a lot of fans of course feels like a cash grab um but having said that i think there's a, the the metal community never really there's this is what there's the big four and then there's pantera they were sort of like the big five if there was such a thing and um they we never as a community in the, in the metal community never really had that opportunity to you know do that there was a few things happened when dime passed away there was a few tribute things like at Guitar Center and whatnot, they did a pr pretty cool uh, tribute. And, and again, Zach was a huge, huge part of that. Um, but then, um, you know, when Vinny passed away, it was just sort of like, oh, bang, this whole thing's over. Because, yeah. you know, all, all the other projects he was involved with, everything was over. And now a few, lays, a few years later, all of a sudden, this just sort of shows up. Having said that, they all had a bunch of great friends. And I think with Charlie being in there and him being a part of anthrax and Scott's a huge fan and friend of those guys, you're going to see some pretty amazing nights from market to market where this person's going to get up and that person's going to get up. And you're going to see a little bit of what we saw in that cycle of 
like what we saw with the Taylor thing. I think you'll see different persons from the metal community get up on stage here, there, and everywhere. And, uh, you know, the internet will be a buzz with content if they want to pull this off in the correct way. You know way. what, though, Lyle? I got to I gotta tell you, though, man, that it's already been happening. And I don't mean this. At a, I definitely don't want to disrespect the brothers or anything because I'm a massive fan that band changed my life. The issue is, is that you had down already, right, going out and doing doing their thing. And so Phil's been out there for years doing it. And then Phil went out and added 19 other metal bands that he was doing. And then he went out with Phil and someone in the, in the illegals. Now that was the Pantera tribute band. Yeah. That was the band. And you can check that stuff out online. I mean, that band played as close to Pantera as I've heard and they pretty yeah. much nailed it. And it was great. And the problem there is that what made Pantera so <clears throat> absolutely like visceral, it was the combination of the four of them. And that's, you could say that about anything and any yeah. band that, that swaps out a person. Say that about whatever, any original band. Any original thing. What made it so visceral? Phil yeah. Anselmo, like ready to level the place. And the brothers Abbott partying and Rex just kind of holding down the fort. Yeah. Phil, Phil isn't visceral anymore. No. If you watch the illegal stuff, Phil can't get there. So, it's Phil it's tough to sing that hard, man. Even if you yeah. can't Phil, it's Phil with a, it's <laughs> Phil with a back problem, and I yeah. don't. And this isn't out of disrespect, but it's Phil with a back problem. It's yeah. not Phil ready to punch the front row. So then you've got Zach coming in, you've got Charlie coming in, and me as a massive Pantera fan, and I know the business side of it. The difference between Phil and Selma and Illegals and the name Pantera is about nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. For okay. Sure. So, so that there, there's that obviously, and we're all aware of that. But to your point, Lyle, if they went and started just quickly, slowly dropping club shows around and and beta testing it, and then dropping four yeah. shows, and these are the the four tribute shows, I think they've had to pedal back or back. You know, I think they've had to kind of go. Ugh. It should have been called Anselmo Brown you know wild and benante and that would yeah but then you only play the commodore and you don't play an arena you know what i'm saying like i I think you get more leverage of it than the illegals yeah but then you you can't get these guys you can't make this those guys will not go out again it does become a money thing like zach wild is worth x amount on his own he's worth x amount being a knight being an ozzy osbourne's band he's worth x amount showing up on someone else's record like those guest appearances are not free folks shocker um (laughs) so you know if they're gonna do it they got to get paid they're only going to do it if they can do it under the brand of pantera just like David Gilmore calls Pink Floyd Pink Floyd, even though Roger Waters isn't there. And you can get into debates like that, right? You can debate Kiss when Kiss has been calling Kiss for the last how many decades with only half of an original lineup. So you get into these debates. We can't change what we can't change. We don't control this. I I, I just would have liked to see it start a little bit differently. Like I said, just a couple little underground shows, get it, uh, get it off the ground, see what, how it goes and if they really jive and it really kills, then okay, sure, put together 30 dates, but don't turn it into something where it's like, oh, we're going to do 60 dates in Europe and 60 dates in America. It's like, eh, I don't know. Keep it special. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I've heard the comparison as well. Just the, uh, can you imagine Van Halen going out without Alex already? You know, how could you possibly call as great as Michael Anthony is, and whether it's Dave or Sammy, whatever, you know, how could you possibly make that comparison that it's, oh, it's Van Halen, it's Van Halen. It's just not. And I feel that Pantera is a band that's kind of like that. Those two brothers, you know. I agree. Like, I'm a stupid Van Halen fan, as you guys probably know. Yeah. And the audience might know. Uh, the Van Halen tribute concert that they've talked about going, I don't know that I'd really want to go. <laughs> we just saw it. We just saw it at the Taylor Hawkins. Well, I saw the yeah. best Van like, Halen I, performance I, in 25 years at that Taylor Hawkins show. Like, it, and it's not, it's, not to, it's not a shot at anybody, but, I mean, what made Van Halen so incredible was Eddie Van Halen. Not that, unfortunately, Alex is... Well, fortunately, Alex is just as talented, but he got outshone by his brother. Yeah. Um, and 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 again, the other guys with you know the the other parts of Van Halen were always incredible as well. But it was it was Ed who held it down and and made it absolutely next level. And with him not being there, I don't know that I I need to see it because I don't want to watch Joe Satriani all night or or, or whoever's going to fill in. Um, I mean, it yes. would be cool, but I just feel like. I was also lucky enough to probably see 30 or 40 Van Halen shows. I don't need to see Joe Satriani doing Van Halen to yeah, feel like. There you go. That's a great uh, point. That's how I feel about Pantera too. I've seen him enough. And right. it, but my right. son never did. So. But then I was going to say there's the next gen rock fans. Yeah. Um, but you, again, know, you, get, you know what's funny? Somebody said, said you're all going to complain about it and you're all going to go see it. And it might have been Corey from Slipknot that said that. He goes, everyone's going to complain about it and everyone's going to go see it. Yeah, we're all watching a bunch of weird Star Wars stuff on on Disney these days just because it says Star Wars. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like people people will check out things under a certain brand. It's just the way it works. That's that as branding. I am I am curious, but I, I think that they I think Phil did a great job with the illegals. I thought that was really cool. I'm not uh you know, the star thing doesn't do it for me. And Charlie, from what I have been told, has got a carpal tunnel syndrome. So to me, I don't even think he's going to make it through these anyways. So yeah. it's going to be like a half, like, then it's going to be like the the third drummer from this. And then it's like, then it's, oh, Zach can't make a show. And then it's just Phil and Rex. And then we're, and then it's a whole thing. So anyways, uh, it is. I, may, I, I may go see the show, but I will not buy a shirt. How about that? There you go. Uh, last subject, guys, before I let you go. Uh, we added that one. Lyle, thanks for bringing that up. I mean, thanks, it's dude. just like you're making me feel like I'm part of the six o'clock rock report. Look at this shit. It's great. <laughs> uh, last one uh, for you guys. This happened a little while ago. Uh, I think it was in the last couple of weeks. Very controversial subject that's been kind of happening in the world for it's been happening forever, but it's really taken shape over the last, I would say, year. Uh, maybe a year and a half with Eddie Trunk, um, the Eddie Trunk, obviously the radio uh, host and DJ, and he's got his podcast and that metal show and all the stuff that he did um, really has a problem with bands using tracks. And Ron Racky from a band called um, uh, Falling in Reverse had made a statement that they couldn't show up to their show in Nashville because their tour manager forgot their laptop. And I, Eddie went on a rant about, you know, not being able to play a show because you forgot your laptop. What happened to good old rock and roll and no tracks? And Sebastian Bach, as we know, is very much a proponent of playing live with no tracks and all the rest of it. But as we all know, how many bands actually use track all the time? 
to kind of enhance their, 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 their show, but also it adds some things. Um, I'll just give you a couple of examples that have happened recently. Obviously, Kiss Drummer Makes Mistake, backing vocal tracks exposed at a recent show. And video appears to show Motley Crue using backing tracks for drums. Uh, both of those from Loudwire, but uh, out on the internet for you guys to see. And this is a tweet that Ron from Falling in Reverse laid out. You want to talk hella shit about laptops, but go watch Kiss Lip Sync. Steven Tyler plays the piano. Then halfway through the song, he stands on top of the piano while it still plays. Yet here we are acting like they all don't use tracks. Um, Aerosmith, Aerosmith have a keyboard player, Ron. Take it down a notch. And um, Sebastian Bach, are you trying to say that you believe that I use tracks on stage? And you know, it, There's just a big pissing match happening online about this very subject. Gentlemen, go. What well, do you think of backing tracks? Go ahead, Darren. I, well, backing tracks, I, I think that's not really the case, though, with Falling in Reverse. I think this is a band that has a lot of electronic elements to their tunes, if I'm not mistaken. I don't yeah. claim to be the biggest fan of these guys, but you're not going to go to a Nine Inch Nails show and not have some kind of electronic, you know, something not organic on the stage uh, or filter or, you know, any number of bands that we, you know, ministry. Um so I kind of feel like they're they're taking tart. Now again, I'm not super familiar with falling in reverse, but to my knowledge, that's what the laptops are. It's not necessarily backing vocals. And with Tommy Lee using, but I'd rather hear Motley Crue using backing vocals than hear Vince Neil sing live any day. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong lately, for sure. But I think that's what, but I think that's what I, from what I understand of falling in reverse, it's not necessarily backing tracks. It just seems like they're a band that has a lot of electronic elements in their music, so the show would be pretty lame without it. Yeah, it's part of what they do. There's a lot of special effects in just about everything in entertainment, um, and we're using them right now. We're all sitting in our own houses uh, doing what we do. Thanks to technology, we're allowed to do a lot of things that allow us to do uh, connect and um, enhance what we're doing, and rock and roll is no different. Pop music is no different. Uh, it's been going on for decades. And um, look, these shows, these tours are worth multi-million dollars per night when you hit the arena level. There's anywhere between 30 and 130 people on the touring crew whose uh, jobs are dependent on consistencies of tours and shows. Um, and so when you buy a ticket for today's high prices, go to an arena show or even just a decent uh, theater theater show at say the rickshaw or something is going to cost you between 30 and 60 bucks. Um, people want consistency and um, you know, hitting backing vocals is really hard. You're working with different PAs, you're working with different climates, you're working in all kinds of stuff. So if there's a little bit of uh, enhancement onto it, because again, it doesn't necessarily always mean that the backing vocal is full backing vocal. It's usually just basically like there to help the um, other musicians hit the notes and know the timing of it. And yeah, give the audience some enhancements so that it actually sounds correct uh, and give them you know, what they paid for, which is a show and entertainment. So uh, I'm okay with it to a certain degree if it takes over your show. That's an, that's another thing. I mean, that's what EDM is. I mean, you watch all these DJs do what they're doing. People seem to not give a shit there. It, you, you get what you get out of it. Um, everybody uses a little bit of it. I, I look, I've had the pleasure. Of, I have the pleasure of knowing Eddie trunk. I have the pleasure of knowing Sebastian Bach. Great guys. They're entitled to their opinions, but I mean, they're all using pro tools in the studio to make their music and make their shows. So they're using technology out the yin yang uh, as well. 
it, it's just part of the game, man. But if you're going to let it take over, then yeah, okay, it takes over. But, you know, again, there's certain artists that have let, let it go so far, like Motley Crue, who were recently here in, in Vancouver. Like, I, I'm going to be honest, I phoned up uh, a mutual friend of ours, Brent, and said, hey, are you working on the stadium show? And he said, yeah. And I said, great, because I just want to come down and watch Joan Jett and that other opening band that was <laughs> like some fucking L.A. club band that got lucky from Nikki Six or whoever. And those are the only two bands I watched. I just quaffed a couple Budweiser's and I got the hell out of there at 630 at night and I went home because they were, the to me, the bands that were going to deliver the most. And I was totally impressed with both acts that night and there was not any enhancement on their on their things Def Leppard have been using it for years Motley Crue have been using it for years Poison I'm sure are using it I haven't, I haven't been to a, a Poison show probably since 1989 I wouldn't know really uh but you know like they're all great the poison, people the Poison thing was pretty the Poison thing was pretty pure I mean but they've been playing the same hour for 20 right. years yeah. you know yeah. so it's kind of it's kind of down uh and Def Leppard uh, despite the electronic side of it, um, they sounded incredible. Like, and you could still, Joe's still putting the effort in. So it's, yeah. it's, Joe's it's there, and those guys, those guys can play and Mick is Mars can still play and, and all the rest of it. Um, well, did you hear it was that? Very interesting. Did you hear that? Has anybody here seen a muse show where like oh, yeah. 99% of the show is on track? I mean, I can't even be in the room. I mean, the popcorn guy at the stadium's got more integrity than Muse does for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just everything is recorded with that band. I didn't know that. I've never seen it. <laughs> it's music. awful. Yeah. Yeah. It, hey, again, the music's great, but the the when they go to hit a backing yeah. vocal, uh, they're they're 12 feet away from their microphone, and it sounds great. No, uh, Brent, did you hear that you just mentioned Mick Mars? I just heard a rumor, I think just today or maybe yesterday, that uh, there's a rumor floating around, and this is how things get started in rock and roll so often. John Five is slated to maybe replace Mick Mars on another run. That well, it comes, back, it comes back to what we talked about before. It's like you get it out there, you get, you know, yeah. and, hey, I'm in the business, so uh, I'll, just, I'll just walk it very, very carefully. But, you know, you do the, the stadium show, you put it out there, you see what works at the end of it. You, It's like building a baseball team or a hockey team or anything. You build it, you send it out. How did we perform? We're great. Mick's having a hard time. Okay, can Mick still come on tour? I mean, look, Tommy busted yeah, yeah. up his ribs on the, on the beginning of the yeah, thing. Yeah, they had a replacement he, drummer. He does three songs, he does the, whatever. It's going to happen. Uh, however, that's not the guy I would have replaced in that band. Regardless, I mean. You're right, exactly. I, I was saying to myself, and listen, all jokes aside, I mean, we've seen the we've seen really good Vince before-ish, and we've seen not so good Vince. Um, I, I would have loved them to – uh, bring Karabi out for a little bit on this and just have, because they get along really well. And I know we're nerding out here now on, on, on talk, but I think it would have been kind of cool to have a bit of a, you know, if you're, you know, if you're opening the door to John five coming in and you might as well open the door to anyone that's ever been involved. And that's with anything. Um, I think they've put the team on the ice. They've seen what worked. If Mick is having a hard time, you, yeah. there's well, just, we're going to have to get you Back to the Pajero thing again. I think we're just going to have to get used to this happening in rock and roll a lot more often, whether we like it or not. It just seems to be what's going to happen. And I guess if I own a company or a brand, Pantera, Kiss, whatever it is, I might want to keep. I might want to keep working too to make sure my kids are taken care of when it's all over. And you know, 
You can't blame well, him. Look what, look, what, look what happened with Tommy. Right? Tommy played a couple of songs. Then he left. Another guy comes in, and then he plays the piano, and he doesn't. Like, if they replace and bring John 5 out there, John 5 doesn't have the feel that Mick Mars does. So no, it's no. just going to sound different. There's going to be track. Sorry. You know? Yeah, it'll, be, uh, it'll, Wolfgang, it'll definitely Wolf, get enhanced. Wolfgang sounds like Eddie Van Halen, but no one sounds like Mick Mars. So John's well, going to come out and play the parts. Jeff Beck sounds like Mick Mars. Because <laughs> that's what right. Jeff, that's right. where he and stole you, all you the shit from. The, you can yeah. look at the Vince Neil solo stuff online and see what his band is doing. They're they're giving a good effort, but it's it's not going to have the blues element to it because it's Mick. So Mick's going to maybe go off into the sunset and they'll bring John in and maybe Mick will come out every three song or three shows. I mean, Foreigner, Foreigner doesn't even have a member in the band and they're selling out everywhere. And my buddy no. said Foreigner kicked ass when he saw him. I laughed at him. Absolutely. That, that dude, that, they kick ass. I, I I'm saw not sure they do. But I'm just, it, Motley Crue, I've Foreigner, seen them multiple two, two times. Different things, but they've done that. It, it's a great lineup. They, they they do it really well. They sound and look like Aerosmith. <laughs> they got I'm some great musicians. The, I'm not going to yell off the porch. No, but no, I mean, you're not. But it's just like but, but it's, look, everybody's going to have an opinion on depending on how much they love the artist as well. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It depends on how much you love the artist. That'll how much you drink in the Kool Aid. Me, I haven't been to a, a Motley Crue show in over like I don't know, twelve or fifteen years. I yeah. saw them how bad they were doing backing tracks twelve, fifteen years ago, and I walked out. So I love the car. I love that with them coming back with Carnival of Sins. I love that tour. I thought it was great. Thought it was a great comeback. It looked awesome. And no one yeah. can, and you know, they don't apologize. Nikki doesn't apologize. They put this stuff out on DVD. I've got it right here, the DVD from there. There sure. was p post work done on that. So, Eddie, you know, uh, speaking to Nikki or speaking to Motley Crue or going through, you can't, I don't think you can rip everybody. You nope. just kind of have to like, pick your battles a little bit and i'm sure there's going to be a point you know where sebastian he's going to give it the college try but there's going to be some moments there where he's not going to be able to sing quicksand jesus oh yeah and he's look gonna, the other thing I mean? is age. as you age the voice gets pretty like hard to do what it needs yeah. to do to make the fans you know feel like they're getting their their money's worth Robert Plant said it many years ago. He would not get back into Led Zeppelin because he can't sing the way the fans want him to sing. Yeah. So that's the biggest reason why Led Zeppelin never got back together. His integrity was, I can't make it sound like Led Zeppelin. So mm -hmm. he just, you know, he, he didn't want it. He didn't want to go down looking like a fool. And so now he just does what he does. And that's why Led Zeppelin have never really done anything more than, you know, that O2 special. You know, so it gets really tough with the voices. We're starting to see that. Paul Stanley's had a lot of trouble with his voice. Joe Elliott's had yeah. trouble with his voice. Uh, there was some stuff earlier this year with John Bon Jovi that was sounding like a, you know, he, he needed, you know, to just right get off the stage immediately. Maybe he just, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. cracked something. I don't know. But I mean, the voice is, is a really, really tough thing to do. It's not the same as a guitar rig. Uh or a drum kit. It's, it's a very, very tough thing to replicate. And that's why we see a lot of tracks going back to the, the topic at hand. But again, there's, there's a lot of artists that you eventually you just can't pull it off night in and night out. It's too hard. I'm not, I'm not opposed to tracks Darren. Darren, uh, I, I don't think you're opposed to them. Lyle, I don't think you're opposed to them. Yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, hell I've worked with lots of bands that use tracks. It's just, it's part of the game. It's just, yeah. It's, it's, it's one part of the issue. game. I've you know managed bands that use tracks. I've managed bands that bury a guitar track. Um, you know it, it's it is what it is, and and sometimes 
drummers use samples of certain things in the show or every band uses an intro. So right there, that's a track. Um, yeah. You know, like it's, it's part of showbiz. It's when it, for me, it's when it takes, takes over or when the band is getting so bad that they're reliant on it. Um, it, it, it just, it kind of just wrecks it for me. Didn't it start at a club in LA? Well, didn't, cause you're, you're an Eddie fan. Like, you know, there was a club, there was a band in LA that played a show and it, got, and it made it to Twitter that none of them were playing their instruments, but the oh, whole yeah. song was, was playing. And, yeah. and I, I can't I, remember I can't that remember. was, but I remember and like, again, I, I think it was Eddie that started that whole thing, which was, yeah, like, I mean, is, look, again, like it's, whatever, it's frustrating, you know? right? You go and lay your money down and you certainly want yeah. it to be live. You're paying for a live show. Um, and when it starts to be very evident that it's not live, yeah, you're, you're, you're Jake and your fans. So that's where it started. It doesn't matter who the band was. It could have been any of the three of us standing there going, shit, is this live? This is, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it just, it Rock's makes, just it makes getting it, called out now. That's it's been yeah. pop forever. Rock's just finally getting called out. That's all. But you know, we, we line up to go watch special effects movies under the Marvel or DC brand or this brand or that round. And we lay our money down knowing that 90% of that flick was CGI and computer graphics and, Da, 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 and we go and now we take our kids and we buy them swag and like it, special effects are here to stay they're not going away again it's just about how much you're going to let it take over your rock and roll yeah if it, makes, if it makes the band lazy or they use it as a crutch then i'm out it's like well you're not you know no point yeah. even being here right but if it's yeah. an investment like you say but yeah i think i wonder how many bands have started out uh without using much in the way of effects or backing tracks got lazy because they realized, well, this is pretty easy. We can get super hammered the night before and coast through a show or two, you know? I'll and say it from my concert producing days because I don't work for those companies anymore. I worked on shows from Ricky Martin, Spice Girls, all kinds of yeah. pop artists that, of course, you're going to say, yeah. But you know what? Again, it comes down to consistency. The, the vocal would be there at about 40% to keep them in time because they're also running around a lot and yeah. to keep them in tune so that when you're running around, I mean – you got your yeah. aerobic going, you're going from one side of the stage to the other. There's cues, there's lights, there's pyro. You got to be in the right place at the right time all night, including in your ear, with the in-ear monitor, they need to know exactly where they need to be note for note. And again, those shows are worth two to $4 million a night. So the audience has a high expectation when you're selling to teenage girls. So if that consistency isn't there, then the, in today's online world, you just get absolutely murdered. And your tour goes from being the hottest thing in the world to, you know, toilet paper. And, you know, the, the tours are just worth so much. So they do a lot of tracks for consistency uh, and, and to just put that artist in the right place. Doesn't mean that they're not, that they're yeah. doing everything 100% yeah. on, on to track. Some are, um, but there's a lot that aren't. So they didn't paint, they didn't draw the picture, they traced it. <laughs> and then they color right. it in, then they color it in when they're live right that's right so i don't know again it's not going to change um again the, the, especially at the arena level man there's always a little trick going on always so I, a couple of weeks ago here with roger waters there was parts of that show that was all on track man there was parts of there there was whole parts of roger waters yeah. show that were were on track piano parts vocal parts bass parts um you know I just don't think you can lump it all in. I mean, you just can't yeah. lump it all in. It's, it's, there's just a different, uh, uh, 
every artist is offering a different thing. And, and I, I, I do see the frustration from Eddie's side of like, you know, you had to cancel a show because you forgot your laptop. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yes. And that that's just starts a match. Jock, by the way, that's, that's great show prep for a jock. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. Right. But Hey, at least the artist was honest. Right. I mean, like, yeah. Hey, we, we have stuff to track. I mean, you know, what were they supposed to do? Go up there and make an ass of themselves. Yeah, and something that they're unprepared for, Unplugged. and give give the sh give an audience a, a show that's half baked and charge and charge them full price. You know, it's gonna they're gonna have the they're all gonna sit on a round table like this, and they're all gonna shake hands, and then Sebastian's gonna end up on, end up on stage with falling in reverse because he kind of needs the promo because he's gonna have a new record coming <laughs> nah, out because yeah. his old band just put a record out that's really good. Anyways, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining this week on the Brent on Tour podcast. You. Awesome to have you guys Thanks, back on the show. I love, I mean, we could do hours and hours and hours. I'm sure uh, of, of these subjects. Hopefully you'll come back again. We'll do another round table in a couple of weeks. Cause you know, like the music business, it, there's always something to talk about. Lyle, thanks for bringing up the Pantera. I, I actually thanks, had dude. it on my list and I completely forgot to bring it up. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was a great chat and uh, it gave me a, uh, no wonder you guys never wanted to leave the radio station. I mean, I would just sit around and talk music all day. It's the best. Well, we're um, play. Uh, tell me what's going on with you guys before I let you go. Lyle? Uh, well, working at a label, we're uh, actively recruiting artists for crank music and uh working on working on that and just really just building out our our 2023 so we're looking at artists from basically all over the world and all kinds of genres um and building a team to support it and trying to just kind of go project by project to do something fun and special and just keep on enjoying life in the music business and also i manage a great canadian classic rock band called Took. uh we got a couple of great shows coming up in western canada um winnipeg saskatoon i think we're doing a couple in regina before the end of the year um and a bunch of stuff coming up in alberta and more festivals in 2023 uh all all, all coming out so and, and putting out some new music new video um so yeah that's with todd kearns who's on that sebastian bach record that's coming up in case you didn't know that um and brent fitz both from slash's band Corey Churko from shania twain's band uh, Shane Gallus, who's played in bands like Michael Schenker and Bees from Japan. Uh, so they're wicked musicians who I have the time of my life with. We got a great crew, great show, and it's real rock and roll. No backing tracks, no laptops. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Darren, what's going on with you, buddy? Uh, still flying around in the airplane a couple times a day, reporting on traffic crashes in Vancouver. There's never any shortage of that in this city. <laughs> um, and doing the morning show for Whistler FM as well that I do right from my house, right where I'm sitting right now. And the newest thing, and I'm really, really excited about this, doing a show for, there's a new station in Vancouver called Sonic Radio. It's an alternative station. They happen to be on the same dial position that uh, XFM used to be on. I was on XFM for the entire duration of that station's existence back in the early 2000s. So they've asked me and I've agreed to go back and do a show on Sundays called Resurrection Radio. Uh, they spell resurrection with a big X in the middle, and the X is actually the font from the XFM logo. So, so kind of got me excited, and I've done a few episodes of that, and uh, it's going really well so far. So basically, that one focuses on music from the 90s and early 2000s, a lot of the same stuff that I would have played back at XFM back in the day. So it's a music-heavy, music-intense uh, show, and uh, so far I'm really enjoying it. It's going well. Gotta say, man, Sonic back on the air. Uh, that station is a breath of fresh air for rock bands. 
It really is, isn't it? And they're yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, it really well, is. And they've got some amazing to get that. They've they've got some amazingly talented jocks on that station too. I mean, when I listen to that lineup, it's like holy smokes, man! Uh, you know, and and yeah. and a, a rare thing in this day and age, they've got pretty much a complete air staff outside of maybe overnights. There's somebody on the air at all times. When's the last so time? That's, that's to track. Then is that what you're saying? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> no track, no backing tracks. It's all live, my friend. Uh, I'm going to pull a radio trick out that I learned from listening <laughs> on the radio. Uh, Lyle Shaw say, Darren Grieve, check them all out. Thanks for, you know, coming back on the Brenton on tour podcast. This is like, you know, we're at episode 110, I think. So uh, you guys are part Thanks. of the history and I really, really appreciate you being here. Um, this is a classic radio thing. Stick around for a minute, gentlemen, and I'll be right back with you uh, on the thing. But I uh, appreciate it. Uh, that is the Brenton on Tour podcast for another week. A big thanks to my friends at Partake. Look at these guys. Non-alcoholic beer. Yep, 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 yep. Just bringing them back into the mix. Uh, they have a ton of stuff. They've sent me more stuff. They got a blonde. They got a rattler now. They got a bunch of different uh, products for anyone interested in not drinking for a little while, maybe. Like myself, it's great for a podcast to uh, to drink while you're doing it. But uh, keep you safe. And also, it's uh, like five... Cal 10 calories, something like that. It's uh it's vegan, it's uh gluten-free, it's everything. Uh it's a great, it's my favorite non-alcoholic beer that I've discovered in my journey uh along here. And we'll get into that in the coming weeks. I've got a few people uh coming on to talk about uh the sober on tour series and being sober on tour, uh, including uh some great products and some other people that are coming on board. Uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, thanks to my friends at DeanBlundell.com and everybody over there for hosting. And uh, we'll see you guys all next week. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.